You're listening to Food Trucks in Babylon, a Western Seminary podcast with Dr. Todd Miles and Dr. Patrick Schreiner. Listen as they discuss matters of faith, theology, and culture in a post-Christian world. Hello, this is Todd. And this is Patrick. And we are here with Drew Dick, who has just published a book in 2019 called Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science, A Guide for Sinners, Quitters, and Procrastinators. That covers everyone. And that right. is a super long title. That's a pretty wide net. Yes. And I'm impressed you made it all the way through because it's like <laughs> the longest title ever. Yeah. That was uh, long. <laughs> I just want to know the biggest question for me is, does that dog have self-control on the cover? Well, he hasn't eaten the cookies. Okay. okay, okay. So for yeah. people who haven't seen the cover, there's a dog looking longingly at a plate of cookies. Yes. That uh, presumably he's not supposed to be eating. Okay. And yeah. so, yeah. And I've had all kinds of people claim that that's my dog. That's, you know. Yeah. How much did you actually have to do with the cover design of your book? Oh, you know, you kind of go back and forth as yeah. an author, you know. Um, well, well, I've had very different experiences. Oh, have so, you? Like, on, on my first book, I saw the cover design on Amazon. Oh, the no first way. Time, first time. Okay, yeah, that's unusual. Yes. Usually, yes. ideally, I would think the author should have some early input. Because, so. yeah, the, the designer kind of comes up with a few options, yeah. and then you go, yeah, I like this one, not this one. You go back and forth. I think in my case, there were a couple rounds. Okay. Um, you also <laughs> work for Moody, right? Yeah, so. which is a weird sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm like there as an employee more. and yeah. an author. Right. A yeah. little bit different. Yeah. yeah. But, which is a good introduction to you. So tell us about yourself. Sure. Yes. I am an editor and author. Okay. Uh, you know, by day, I say I'm an editor. Uh, if I can find some time in the evening, uh, <laughs> do my own projects, articles, and books. Um, and I live here in the, in the Northwest, in Vancouver, Washington, just over... Uh, the river from you guys, uh, but I'm not far from the kingdom, as they say, 15 <laughs> minutes from, from Portland. Not uh, far from the food carts. Th- exactly, exactly, <laughs> and the food gets way better when you cross over <laughs> into Portland. Um, but originally, i got to get this off my chest, I'm Canadian, mm. right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that wasn't the No, that's okay. Oh, yeah, that's I, I don't know what that's I was good. expecting, <laughs> what kind of reaction. Uh, but I grew up born and raised in Canada, uh, came down to the States, that's what we call it in Canada, the States. The States. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's like coming to America, like, like Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, yeah. in my early 20s to Portland, actually, okay, met my wife here. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but but Grace, yes. who I later married okay. in Portland. Uh, and then we moved all over the place, and then we were always kind of pining to get back to the Northwest. Okay, And we're, we're finally back. We've been here, back now for four years. We have three kids. I, I feel like I've melted into the melting pot of America because I've been down here 18 years. Yeah. When I go back to Canada, my friends are like, you sound like a Southern politician. <laughs> it's it's terrible. I've lost a lot of Canadian cred. Okay. So there I, it is. I, I didn't even know there was such a thing as Canadian. <laughs> okay. I don't know if anyone calls it that. Oh, okay. All right. Excellent. All right. So, so you, you wrote a book on self-control. You bet. Uh, which, as, as you admit, not the most sexy of topics. Right. In, in the book itself. So, yeah. so why? Yeah, and I wish I could say... I did it because, you know, just out of pure academic interest. But the truth is, <laughs> it was uh, an area in which I realized I had room to grow. Okay. Uh, and initially, in fact, I was, I was reading some books on the topic, both from a secular and a Christian perspective. Um, and it was really just for myself. Mm. Like, okay, how can I kind of grow in this area? I was reading books about willpower and habits and grit and all those, those kind of topics. Grit. 
grit. grit. Yeah, yeah. Grit, mm-hmm. gritty. How to get more gritty. Um, and and I found them, you know, somewhat helpful for myself. And then somewhere along the the line, I was like, you know, this is some interesting stuff. Maybe there's a book project here. Mm. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of the tack I take in the book is like, hey, listen, I'm not the expert. I'm not the one kind of telling you, hey, I'm this guru of self discipline and self control, but I'm someone probably a lot like you who struggles in this area. I want to come alongside you and let's discover this stuff together. So that that was kind of my approach. Uh, certainly didn't want to set myself up as the expert. It's funny now though, because like I'll be at a restaurant and if I order a dessert, people are like, oh, just a minute. Aren't you the self-control guy? <laughs> What's going on here? It's all Main, a scam. Mainly your wife will say that. Right, right exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, she rolls her eyes the most. That's, that's for sure. right. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never outlive this book. Never. That's the problem. Wow. Never. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what makes the book, I think, very approachable, very, very readable, is that you you don't come off like the expert who has mastered this. As a matter of fact, you chronicle uh, after after each chapter, there's a little vignette on, on right. how you're doing, and, and mm. it's usually kind of confession time. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to kind of, you know, take what I was learning and apply it to the laboratory of my life. Um, And so, yeah, I have those little journal entries where I'm like, okay, I'm going to start to try to run every day, uh, start to try to pray. That was an embarrassing one because I'm like, you know, hey, I want to pray consistently. Mm -hmm. And I'll start with like, I think it was like 10 minutes a day. Mm. (laughs) And I set, I set my alarm. I remember the first time and I got right down on my knees because I work from home in my office so I could do that. Look like a weirdo. Um, <laughs> and I remember thinking like, oh, something's wrong with the alarm. I, you know, I set it for 10 minutes yeah. and it's been like half an hour. Yeah. For I look up at seven time. minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just realize, man, like, yeah. okay, when you're not used to doing something consistently, how difficult it really is. Anyway, so it, it, it was enlightening. It was, it was a little, yeah, uh, what's the word? Uh, disillusioning at times to mm. see your own lack of <laughs> willpower and self-control uh, when it comes to implementing new habits in your life. Uh, but it was also a fun journey as well. Yeah. Well, it, it's a fun read. Oh, thank so you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. It's a funny book. It's mm. a funny book, which is important, super important. Yeah, I think with this topic too, right? Because it can yeah. get kind of finger waggy and oh, people yeah. are like, yeah. oh, yeah. Because I, 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 a lot of people, when I tell them about it, they're like, self-control. Yeah. It sounds like, you accusatory. know. Accusatory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, puritanical and accusatory right. and, right. Right. and uh, maybe even legalistic, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to avoid that. And well, part I think of you did. Doing that. Thank I think you. you did. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Part of that's yeah. just being honest about <laughs> the reality of your life. Well, it's it, it, it's huge. And, and, and it's it, it's nice, especially in a book like this, because I think, you know, I, I just said that it's not the most sexy of topics. And I was quoting you in that as well. Oh, right. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> At one point, I do say that. Yeah. yeah in that, but it's 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 an important topic for, for everyone, because mm-hmm. because we're talking about sanctification here. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I think that's the bigger picture, right? Because some people might think, and it isn't sexy because our culture doesn't really prioritize it, I would say. It doesn't place a high premium on mm. self-control and restraint, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you're right, especially for those of us who are believers. Um, it, you can't be like, you know what? I'm not really going to worry about self-control. I'm just going to, you know, become more like Jesus. Well, <laughs> if you want to mature in your faith, right? Mm. Self-control is a crucial component of that because it involves setting aside your own destructive, selfish impulses, putting others first, uh, loving God, yeah. uh, doing these kinds of things. So yeah, huge part of that, yeah, that $10 word, sanctification, yeah. um, self-control. Do you think, uh, in terms of what self-control is, I think we all just assume we know what we're speaking of. Do mm. you have any, do you, did you have any, like, corrections in terms of, like, maybe we're thinking about this wrong, or is it is it just 
self-control is easily understandable yeah. and everyone gets what it is. And so you're just kind of following that path. Or do you have any thoughts in terms of like, I read, I think I read over self-control. Right. Yeah. Because I just am like, yeah, I know what that is. It's, it, but it, then I, it is I, saying no to yeah. something bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most but people you do more than that in the negative. Yeah, you're right. It's, um, and that was one of the difficulties I encountered early on because I'd read about self-control and some people are talking about self-regulation. Mm. Some people are talking about delaying gratification. Uh, and maybe I just cheated because I said, I think it's all of those. Yeah, It's saying right. no to, to sinful or destructive impulses. That's for sure. It's also kind of overcoming your own laziness to do the good you ought to do, right? Yeah. Um, mm. So it's, you know, sins of omission and commission. And commission. Gotcha. Uh, avoiding yeah. both, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but the, here's the other wrinkle for for people that are Christians, we don't believe we're in this alone, right? It's right. not just bootstrapping your way to, okay, that's it. I'm going to white knuckle it, live a life of self-control. It's all on me, sheer willpower. We believe that God plays this mysterious role in the process, right? Whereby his spirit, mm. he empowers you to live the life that he's called you to live. Mm. Uh, so that's good news too, because yeah. <laughs> if we're doing it on our own, man, that's, that's rough. Yeah, yeah. And yet it's not just like let go and let God. Yes, uh, it, it take it does take effort. It takes a plan. It's it's hard. This yeah. this whole sanctification thing. Mm. Yeah, I when I talk to people about this topic, I found there's kind of two ways to fall off the horse, right? There's one where the the I'm going to do this all on my own, kind of bootstrapping your way. I'm going to just live the Christian life all by myself and build my self control. Um, and then, like you said, though the the opposite and equal error, I think, is to uh, the old Keswick theology, yep. right? Let go and let God. Yep. Jesus take the wheel, to use a more recent mm-hmm. reference. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not bashing on that song, okay? Don't write me, okay? You, it's okay if you bash on Is that it song. okay? Okay, yeah, totally it's okay. I'll bash on yeah. Um So yeah, but, but that theology is sometimes kind of saying, listen, I'm just totally passive in this journey of the Christian life. I'm right. going to kick back and take a pleasure cruise towards holiness. And that sounds wonderful, right? I'd love that if that were the case. However, when I read scripture at least according to my interpretation, I don't see that. I see mm. commands to strive after godliness, to endure, to persevere, to run the race, to fight yeah. the fight. All of those great commandments, right, that imply an, an effortful sort of enterprise, a struggle. Um, but then at the same time, like I said, you're not alone in it either. That's right. As you obey God, he empowers you to live the Christian life and enables self-control. And of course, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's an important thing to mention too. Yeah. Which yep. is why in Christianity we have these just weird uh, grammatical things called passive imperatives, right? oh. where we are commanded, mm-hmm. we are commanded to have something be done to us, right? Mm-hmm. Be filled with the Spirit, right? right? It's a command. It's okay. How do I do that? Do, do I grit my teeth? How do I? It's not like shazam, right? I, I can't. I can't do that, um, and and yet, yet I'm supposed to. I I am commanded to to do this thing. Um, exactly. Oh, that's great. Passive imperatives. Yeah. I haven't heard it put that way. Yeah. That's that is so true, and it yeah. is an odd sort yeah. of thing. I, I just want to point out that agency. came from the systematic guy, while the New Testament guy is over here silent. <laughs> I'm looking let, at Drew's treat, that, tweets that, right now. I'm not. Right. I'm not. That's that's right. Right. <laughs> let me learn you a few things about grammar, Patrick. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Did you have any um, reflections in the book in terms of this? You, you hear self control, and it it obviously leans towards a more individualistic thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts in terms of um, communal family? Like, is, is this something like that Paul or 
um, the rest of the scripture writers as they use this. Um, is, is this mainly an individual thing? I think it leans that way, but do you have any thoughts about, like, is this a, a thing that the body should be thinking of, too, as the body of, of Christ or even uh, entire family units? What does it look like to have self-control? Because I, I hear it, and I immediately go to individualism, and I think that's probably right, but I don't. I was just trying to think through, like, what we, wh- how, how does this work in terms of maybe larger structures as well? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're right, just the term, obviously, self-control. Right, self. Sounds individual, <laughs> right? Right, right. Um, and there is that component because it's you. Uh, and, of course, like we've acknowledged, it's complicated because God's involved. There's a role for human agency. Right. Uh, but you're controlling your behavior yeah. um, in obedience with God's word. But at the same time, I think it's a hugely communal virtue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's you know, one of the things, and I know I'm not the first to observe this, certainly, but when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, they all have a very communal dimension, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. Gentleness, you know, right. peace, you, you joy. You have to do it with others. Long-suffering, self yeah. Exactly. You yeah. do it with others. And it facilitates interpersonal harmony, right. all of these. And they're not really even virtues. They're more like states of being or modes mm-hmm. of operating. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um, and self-control is no different, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you need, and I think that's what Paul has an eye toward when he's listing those, because he's like, you need these to get along with each other. Mm-hmm. And self-control, I think, is it's at the top of the list. I mean, my goodness, if you... Don't have self-control. Right. You can't be faithful. Yeah. You can't be kind. Yeah. You can't be generous. Right. You know, even just the most basic altruism demands being able to set your your own interests aside. Right. And put others first. Yeah. So, yeah, to answer the question, I think think that's all throughout Scripture. It's both, and it's incredibly important. Whether you're talking about a marriage, a family, a Mm -hmm. church body, um, self-control, if you look at the failures and the destructive things that happen in a community, they often trace back yeah. to a lack of self-control right, at right, the very least. Right. And you have in that first chapter, um, why self-control? Because it leads to freedom and flourishing, which is so counter like intuitive because the, the mantra that we hear from our society is uh, express yourself is basically what we need to do in whatever right. way that is. And that is what leads to freedom and flourishing. But actually controlling yourself, you're saying uh, that that's actually what leads to freedom and flourishing. Can you want to expand upon yeah, that? Yeah, precisely. No, and you're right because it's a very countercultural message when you're talking about self-control. Right. Um, because, yeah, people think of it as confining. Right. Um, oh, what? I have to, I want to follow my heart. I want to express my every desire. I want to fulfill my passions. Uh, and then they go, self-control means curtailing some of those. And that's yeah. true. Right. But this is one of the beautiful paradoxes. And, of course, these are all throughout the Christian faith, right? And all yeah. throughout theology is that um, exercising self-control, being obedient to God, ultimately results in greater freedom because yeah. he knows what's best for us. Right. So ultimately it's going to lead to a light life of greater flourishing. And I think just on an intuitive level, people know this is true. I mean, you know, it's true with everything. Yeah. I mean like exactly. credit cards. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's fun to spend money on credit cards. I've done a <laughs> lot of that. <laughs> right. All right. And you rack right. it up and you're having a blast. Well, what happens down the road, right? Yeah. It actually confines you and all of a sudden Even you have more. to work harder and yeah. you can't spend as much and you're yeah. in trouble, right? So that principle runs throughout all of life. Yeah. If you want to indulge your every desire now, you're going to pay for it down the you're road. Gonna pay for it. Your yeah. life's going to just kind of get smaller and smaller and smaller. I think of um, you know, James when he talks about that trajectory of sin, right? Where it's just yeah. kind of like innocent little desire and then all of a sudden it, it gives birth to death. To death, yeah. 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 So this this book is timeless in, in the sense that we've been timeless. dealing with a timeless self- classic. A timeless oh, no. classic. <laughs> that's right. I didn't know where you were going with that. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> so I was gonna say. No, I, so the, the need for self-control has 
been around ever since like Genesis three. Okay. Right. But is, is there a greater sense of urgency today because of things that we face? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I don't want to overstate it because of course you know, people in every era have had sure. unique challenges. Right. I take this one over like, you know, living to 38 and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> having dysentery. Nick yourself shaving and <laughs> yeah, die yeah. the next morning. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I think every era is unique, but I do think, you know, because of the internet, yeah, it's a big thing. And what the internet does, I think, is it kind of, it doesn't create new temptations, but it amplifies existing ones. So whatever your vice is, you know, whether it's lust, it's literally at your fingertips now. Well, you know, I don't know, gambling, <laughs> that's yeah. easier spending too much money, whatever it is, the mm. internet just facilitates it all, makes it easier and more accessible. And then I think on a on another level, just more the neurological. And it doesn't make it public. Right. Which, which it used to be. You're right, that's right. a great point. Right. Which used to be, you know, I mean, you used to at least have to risk some social approbation by mm-hmm. engaging in these behaviors. Now there's no risk at all. Yeah. Isn't that true? So. Exactly, which just makes it easier to engage in um, and, and more pernicious in a way. Uh, because these things are all invisible, at least you think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's that's a great point. And then I think just in the way that we're being inundated with constant entertainment, uh, constant messages, constant distractions, then I think that makes it harder to engage in the life of the spirit. So mm-hmm. reading your Bible, you know, when you're when your attention span, as mine is, is been conditioned by Twitter and mm-hmm. Instagram yeah. and Netflix, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and then you try to go and read this, This I know it's easy for you guys, you theologians, but for, for regular folk like me, diving into this ancient big text, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, or prayer, or community. Right. All these things require these, you know, um, discipline and, and longer attention spans. So I think there is a way in which our hyper-connected, media-rich world uh, mm. is antithetical mm. to the mm. Christian life in many ways yeah. that we don't, yeah. we underappreciate perhaps. Yeah. And again, of course, bringing it back to my little pet issue, self-control is a big part of resisting that. Mm. We just had John Mark Comer on the podcast talk oh, about yeah. unhurry and uh, oh, unhurried yeah. life. So for silence and solitude, and we were talking about, um, I don't know if he dubbed it this way or uh, I don't remember, but we were talking about uh, what we call the quiet time generation that you look at some of the older Christians in the church now, and they, they're just very consistent with getting up, reading the scriptures and he was just noting, like, in a younger congregation, he feels like some of that is being lost. And he's trying to recover, like, the quiet time generation. Like, that you just get up and you have some time with the Lord, with your scriptures. And, uh, yeah, I, did, I have seen that. I noticed that, that there's a previous generation that is very committed to that, that maybe some of that's being lost. And I think you're hitting on it. It's just very easy in the morning um, to get up to the alarm on your phone Oh, and man. then get on email and start doing work right away and get fired up about something yeah. or get on Twitter and get fired Even up about some poli- Yeah, absolutely. And just thinking about like you're hearing something about Donald Trump immediately or you're hearing something about um, something that's happening yeah. overseas that's awful or whatever it is. And suddenly your whole day is just shifted towards kind of this you're not actually communing with the Lord at the beginning. So that you got that. You got that social outrage, blood exactly. pumping right? already. <laughs> yeah, it before your kids you even get up, I'm yeah. just get, it, it gets you away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I'm doing important stuff because because I'm angry. Someone's wrong on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, and it's interesting because some of the, when I hear the word 
the phrase quiet time, it sounds kind of old timey. It to does. Because that's, yeah, when I yeah. grew up with like, oh, your quiet right. time your with quiet the Lord time. Right, and yeah. stuff. And it's like, oh, that sounds a little cheesy. Yeah. But I think we need that. You're right. And I right. love even the phrase now, quiet right. time, because we need desperately. It's like need the that. 80s. It's coming back. Yeah. There you go. It's coming. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to bring it back. That's my, that's my decade, man. That's my decade. That's all Todd, I listen to radio. You need to dress more like you're from the 80s, because, you know, I, athletes in action, I, Nike yeah. shirt, not, not working for 80s. Yeah. I will bring back my new members' jackets and all that. Is that what they were called? Or I no, don't know. Uh, members only. Jacket. Yeah, members only. Members only. Jacket, members yeah. only. That's <laughs> right. New member sounds like a boy band or something. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> plus one. Yeah, isn't that a boy band? I, I, that, I, Where are we? I, what are we talking about? I don't now? know anything Drew, about boy about bands. about self control. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. No. So I I love that idea of, of needing quiet time. Okay. And so one of the things I did in the book was um, I wanted to try to read my Bible first thing every morning, which sounds super simple, but it isn't yeah. like we've been talking about. Right, right. And I realized that, um, and I, initially I tried to read it on my phone. Yep. Right, but like you said, mm-hmm. I was trained like a lab rat to roll out of bed every morning, grab my phone, and get on social media first right, thing. Right, And then number two was email. Yep. And then you get that email, you're like, oh no, okay, I gotta, I gotta reply to that. Yep. And then you're into the work day. Yep. And then a kid wanders into your room. Yeah. It's over, yeah. right? As far as reading your Bible. It's right. like, I'll get to that later. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know? And so I realized what I finally had to do is move uh, my phone off my nightstand, drag my big black Bible out of retirement, yeah. plunk it down there. Yeah. Uh, but it was kind of beautiful. Buy because, an alarm clock? Did you buy an alarm uh, no, clock? No. Well, no, I still use the phone. Still use that. But I had it like in a different part of the room. Right. So like, right. you have to get, get up. up. Yes. To, to so you have to get up, off. which is yeah. miserable. Yeah. Which yeah. is really yeah. You can terrible. still get alarm clocks on Amazon. Yeah, right. I mean, they exist. <laughs> they do? Yeah. My parents have one. <laughs> you could steal one from you, someone you who's doing think, a quiet time. Yeah, you got to think the, the sales are in steep decline That's for right. alarm clocks. But not, anyway, not something I'm investing in right now. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> not a smart stock buy. Um, but what I found was what was kind of nice is that I was con- conditioned to consume content as soon as I rolled out of bed. Right. And so it was like, okay, if the Bible's there instead of my phone... It made it easier. It's just a simple little silly switch, but it actually made a big difference for me. That's great. Yeah. Well, this has been really helpful. We're going to take a little break and come back and keep on talking about self-control. My name is Ryan and I'm in the Master of Arts in Counseling program here at Western Seminary. My favorite part about this program is that the faculty really does care about the well-being and development of each and every counseling student enrolled here. One way they do that is by meeting to discuss how all of us are doing academically, personally, and spiritually. They shepherd us, mentor us, and teach us how to have healing conversations with hurting people. Western Seminary serves as a catalyst and resource for spiritual transformation by providing, with and for the church, advanced training for strategic ministry roles. If you're interested in learning more about Western or starting your application, visit us online at westernseminary.edu. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Um, Drew, so one of the things we do is called Food Trucks in Babylon, is ask you about a food truck that you've been enjoying uh, so since you're in the area, can you give a recommendation to people? Yes, I can. Usually, you know, because I'm out in the burbs, I'm eating at like Applebee's or something, okay? <laughs> oh, no. And I got three kids, oh, so no. hauling them into Portland to go to food trucks yeah. is a rare, that's, rare sort that's of thing. That's true. But yeah. with that, yeah. that caveat, um, I ate at one recently that was delicious called Matt's Barbecue. 
Oh, yeah. It's kind of like Northport. I think they have a couple locations. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They do? Yep. Oh, man, but it's so good. So good. I got yep. the the whole shebang. Yep. Um, I shared with a guy, and it was just delicious. I've had, had Martin, some, Matt's barbecue. You've had amazing. it? Yes. I'm amazing. preaching to the choir here. Yep. That's Isn't great. that good stuff? It's great. Yeah, oh, they have good. a taco one, too. Just oh, right really? Yeah. Just, oh, just okay. right down the street here. Right down the street. Yeah, so they do their barbecue in tacos with guacamole and onions. It's amazing. Awesome. So you should try that. Awesome. If it wasn't 9 a.m., maybe we'd go after this. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't raining. Yeah. Oh, I can, eat, bar- I can yeah. eat barbecue anytime. <laughs> you right. can wake me up at 2 a.m. <laughs> it's speaking, actually... Speaking it, of self-control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. It's actually 6 a.m. We we thought we'd exercise self-control. <laughs> and we've and already run 6 10 miles. That's right. I, I, I just assumed that. Yes. I, I, think so. I shouldn't have even had to say. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you you uh, deal in your book with habits. I know there's been a lot written in terms of habits from a more sociological perspective. Um, what, what did you find most helpful in terms of your reading, maybe outside of, I think a lot of our listeners um, are engaged in the scriptures, but maybe not engaged in um, reading more widely on how habits form at a sociological level. Do you have any kind of... Um, key things that you took away from some of your reading and maybe your own practices as well in terms of habits. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I found it helpful to kind of read the the literature on mm-hmm. habits and, you know, how long does it take a habit to form? And there's yeah. conflicting literature on that. Is it 30 days? Well, yes, for some sort of simple things. For more complex behaviors, it's more like 66. Mm. And, and what constitutes... That's a bad number. Though, That's a bad. It? Oh, it's it's well, almost a bad number. It's if you added one more six, it'd That's be a right. really bad number. <laughs> thirty days. <laughs> thirty <laughs> days. And if it's more, then we're going to have to republish all of those thirty days of. You're right. Type I should have said it was like forty, like a more biblical number. Yeah. 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 yeah forty yeah. days. Yeah. Uh-huh. Forty days. Forty days works. Anyway, yeah. So you know those things were helpful, and then breaking down what a habit is. Mm. You know, they talk about the three components. There's the cue, the thing that initiates mm. the routine, and then there's mm-hmm. the routine, the actual behavior, mm-hmm. and then there's a reward that kind of enforces the behavior. Yeah, and so and, and it's it's funny because I think some Christians kind of go, "Oh, we don't need to talk about habits. That's you know extra biblical," which of course it is. Um, and at the same time, when I was reading about habits, and then I'd go back to scripture, I'd be like, "It's incredible to me." how, you know, God knows that we're habitual creatures, right? right? That we, and, and we'd even think of like, it doesn't matter. Even if and that's not like, necessarily a bad thing. We're exactly. Yeah. That's just how we're right. made. Right. And even like the lowest church traditions have a ton of repetition, mm-hmm. which is basically how you implement habits, right? right? And 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 it's why we show up to church and sing songs that we know right. so well, right. listen to truths that most of us, let's face it, already know, right? Mm-hmm. Because we need to be reminded. We need those those patterns in our lives. Um, but yeah, and so it was, it was just helpful for me. You know, they say this is kind of one of the, the, the cardinal truths of habits is that it's easiest to replace a bad habit with a good one rather than creating a new one out of thin air. Mm. Uh, so like I talked about in the first, section was, you know, I had this bad habit of checking social media right. every morning right. <laughs> and I was able to replace it Interesting. with Bible reading. Yeah. Um, and what I was doing, the cue was the same, rolling out of bed and seeing something on my nightstand. Yeah. But I just kind of hacked the habit loop and replaced that with gotcha. reading. So you and modify your pattern. Is that what you're exactly, saying? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, yeah. And it so sounds like, it sounds like Thomas Chalmers at this point, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, the uh, the Scottish preacher. Yeah. Let me see. I, I don't want to butcher the quote, but Expulsive he talks power of a new affection. New affection? Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Expulsive power yeah. of a new affection. What a great phrase. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um and and I think that's a, it captures such a truth, right? Of the Christian life that resisting sin or bad behaviors is not just a matter of kind of 
white knuckling it and sitting there and going, okay, I'm just going to fend off every temptation that comes my way. Mm-hmm. But it's actually filling yourself up with the things of God, you know, obeying Jesus' mm-hmm. command to come to me when you're thirsty, right? So that your, your, your thirst for transcendence and purpose and meaning is being satisfied by God. And then it has a way of pushing sin out of your life. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm reading uh, Chalmers right in that, but I think that's mm. kind of the oh, idea, yeah. this replacement yeah. affection, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, in, in, a, in a funny little way, I guess habits, that's what you're doing when you're replacing yeah. destructive sinful habits yeah. with good ones. Yeah. You can't just stop doing a vice. You have to replace it with the opposite virtue. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So um, walk us through that, that habit loop. Uh, you you mentioned you know the cue the routine the reward but but like just practically in your life uh, again and then put the words to it if sure yeah if you well and I'm trying to think of a good example and this isn't for my life because I'm not a smoker but you think of someone who is a smoker mm-hmm. uh, and maybe the cue would be to when they step outside in the morning mm-hmm. and they just oh I need a cigarette right the smoking the cigarette is the routine. And then the reward because that's the is habit the, they have. That's the habit they have, right? And there's something that cues that habit. Yes, exactly. It Consciously kind of triggers or subconsciously. Them. Okay. Yeah, it triggers right. them to engage in a habit, and we have these all throughout our lives. We don't even right. realize it. Right. Um, and then the the reward, I guess, would be the nicotine hitting their bloodstream. Mm. And you could replace that. Say you want to replace it with running, a more healthy habit, right? Yeah. So maybe now going outside. The same. Well, that's cue. an example you used in the book. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you got the same cue, you're going outside, but instead of smoking, now you're running and the reward is the endorphins, I guess. (laughs) Right. Um, so yeah, like runner's high that doesn't actually exist. The mythical runner's high. Yeah. Yeah, Well, no, no, I think you could do something artificial at that point. You know, you you would need to make up a, a, a reward Reward. to to reinforce. And it it feels cheesy. I can buy $500 Nike shoes. (laughs) That's yeah, my reward. As long as I'm sure your wife would be cool with that, right? Yeah. As Honey, long as I got to give myself yeah. a reward. As long as I put on Instagram, <laughs> yeah, and hashtag it. the expulsive power Perf- of a worse vice. Professors and sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just a matter of time before <laughs> that right. Instagram account right. is created. But nobody cares about professors, yeah. so probably not. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and yeah. let's face it, professors probably couldn't afford. Yeah, they, they can't. Know, they the five thousand dollars sneakers. We don't. We don't. Patrick is wearing Air Jordans right now. If you look under that, he is wearing Air Jordans. I'll lift it up right here. It's true. I can verify it. I know there's. No video, but I can verify. Verified. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, in some ways, it seems that it, Paul is forming new habits as he goes into this is what it looks like to live the Christian life, right? So he's strengthening. You, you talk about um, it, it's a way to strengthen puny muscles, right? So <laughs> how, how do you yeah. grow those things? Is that Does that go back to the habit um, kind of the, the habit uh, – uh, conversation again in terms yeah. yeah yeah i i i think that's absolutely right i think a lot of the biblical writers are aiming to um introduce and to grow new habits and with the the understanding that are are that we're weak creatures and that we need this so one of the the interesting things i found early on researching for this book was about willpower uh, and essentially what sociologists found out maybe what 20 30 years ago now with a series of experiments is that willpower our ability to like withstand temptation mm. or do something difficult is a finite resource. In other words, it's limited. Yep. It runs yep. out and right. it does so rather quickly. Yeah. Yep. Of course, as Christians, we're probably not surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a super interesting part of the book though. Oh, thanks. Thought, yeah. Yeah. That was interesting to me too. And it made sense of a lot of my lived experience mm-hmm. where it's like, if you've just done something really difficult, 
um, you know, something that's depleted your willpower, then you're very vulnerable to mm-hmm. temptation mm-hmm. or just to being a jerk yeah. afterwards. Um, and so, and this is where habits though come in because habits are so cool because they, um, they don't expend willpower, right? When you are doing a habit by definition, it's an automatic routine. Mm-hmm. And so you're either expending very little willpower or none at all because you're just, it's on. So you're not tapping into that finite resource of willpower. Exactly. At that point. And it's such a, a precious commodity, yeah. <laughs> willpower, and it's so limited. Mm. Uh, and it can grow, right? As, yeah. you, as, yeah. you, as you exercise, it's kind of like a muscle. As you exercise it, it grows. But the ideal thing is to build in habits um, in your life that can carry you so you're not relying on your willpower. John Ortberg, the pastor, he has a great phrase, a great um, quote. He says that um, habits eat willpower for breakfast. Mm. In other words, yeah. two guys going into a situation, say a tempting situation, difficult yeah. one, yeah. Um, one relying on willpower, one relying on good habits, yeah. habits bet on time. the habits yeah. guy the habits. every yeah. single yeah. time. Yeah. And then another thing I thought was interesting, that an implication that you bring out in the book is that because willpower is finite, Sometimes, most of the time, the best strategy is to flee temptation. Right. Just because why why count on depleting your store of, of willpower? Just get out of the situation. Amen. Exactly. And some people think, oh, it's a cop-out. Yeah. I should sit there yeah. and stare it yeah. down. Yeah. Nope. And be super spiritual. Right. That's why the Bible mm-hmm. says flee temptation, right? Right. right? Don't sit there and slug it out, man. You're going to lose. Even if you can withstand temptation initially, you get weaker as you go. Mm-hmm. that's the sobering thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you can now, of course you can't always, yeah, right? Right. And that's where you need that's self-control. Self-control. Right? Cause that's they sometimes where, yeah. say also stop, just right. stop doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind <laughs> of, it, they're bringing both the uh, willpower and that self-control kind of together and recognizing we're holistic humans. All of these things need to come into play. Exactly. Yeah. Right. If you can, if you can get out of there, man, that's the best strategy. <laughs> so what if someone said, all oh, this sounds great, but there's not much grace in here. Um, it sounds like this is a uh, work your way towards self-control. You know, I'm like, there's, this isn't gospel. This is, right. yeah. this is willpower self-help. Yeah. Um, wh- what do you think about that? Well, there's a danger of that with this topic. I'll just say that right off the bat. A lot of um, what I read on this topic, and of course, a lot of it was secular, but was very legalistic. And it's all on you, and you just got to do this. And then, okay, here are some life hacks that make it a little easier. Okay. Yeah, right. But, yeah, that, that's that's something that's huge if we're talking about it from a Christian perspective. Grace has to not only be involved, but I would say it has to be central. Right. And then, of course, one of the problems with this topic, I think a lot of people assume that, that grace and self-control are somehow antithetical to one mm, another yep. or at least yep. different. Right? right. And the thinking, of course, is that, well, why do I need self-control if God's just always going to forgive me? More grace on tap, right? <laughs> right? Uh, why do I need to control? And of course, the Apostle Paul anticipates this yeah, sort sure. of thinking. He says, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound right. by no means, or right. heaven forbid, depending on your translation. Paul believes in grace, and he gives lots of commands. It, it, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and most of the passages I looked at, frankly, were from Paul, yeah. right? right. Um, about exercising self-control. But I think it even goes, not only are they not mutually exclusive or, or you know, opposite, but they're actually complementary. Hmm. And... and uh, Actually, I'll go to some studies that I read about that I thought were interesting that kind of illustrated this for me. There was one from diet researchers, actually. They coined this um, term uh, called the what the hell effect. Yes. <laughs> a yes. very scientific sounding yeah. sort of thing. But basically, they observed that when people are on a diet and they have one small indiscretion, say it was eating a slice of cake or a candy bar or something, what would follow that mistake was often a full-on binge mm. and i've totally been there right he's just like ah, i messed up the diet i'm just gonna polish off this bag of doritos mm. right mm. Yeah. um because they felt bad about themselves they felt like they'd ruined it 
And they also talked about the opposite phenomenon, which was the, the fresh start effect. And that was this idea that when people perceive they have a blank slate, that they're starting new, their behavior actually improves. And I just thought it was interesting as a Christian, of course, we have the ultimate fresh start effect, right? We are adopted into God's family. We're forgiven entirely. You know, uh, And what I think just psychologically, what follows that, if you really internalize grace, if you kind of get it in your bones, what follows that is not a desire to sin. You don't want to go, woohoo, I'm just going to go crazy now right. and, and engage all these awful sinful behaviors. What you want to do is live a life of obedience. Uh, and so I think grace is actually the fuel of self-control. And incidentally, mm. when it comes to motivating people, I'm thinking this as a parent now, mm. <laughs> right? Um, the answer isn't to just pile on guilt because mm-hmm. that actually just makes people feel bad about themselves and then they engage in bad behavior. Mm. But it's to keep diving back into grace mm. and forgiveness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's actually central yeah. to this topic. And to get really nerdy, uh, John Barclay has done really good work on what grace is. He's a, a scholar. Uh, overseas, but he he just argues we've misunderstood what grace is in the scriptures, that it's a gift. But in the ancient times, when a gift was given, it assumed reciprocation. It re- assumed that you would actually act in response. So the modern oh. notion of a gift, a, a gift that you don't do anything in response to, just thank you, that's great. That's a, that is a modern construct. And so when he, we, we, we hear the word for grace, charis, is the same word for gift. And so we've received a gift, but it actually requires that we do something in return, not to earn it because it's already been given to us. Right. He's very clear on that. But it totally shifted how I think of that word grace because it does require reciprocation. That's why you've been given this, therefore have self-control, discipline, gentleness. It. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it actually begins to make sense. That's how you honor the one who has given you that gift. So when you have a patron-client relationship in the ancient times, in the first century, you would honor the one who would give you a gift by reciprocating to them. And so that suddenly brought this, like, grace doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. It actually means you have to do more. Right. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Because you've yeah, been given this amazing totally. thing, and you didn't deserve it. He's, he's very clear. It's undeserving. Right. But that that actually changes how you act because you have received this undeserved gift. So I, th- I found that really That's helpful. That's so cool. Yeah. But why didn't you tell me that before I wrote the book? <laughs> you don't talk to me enough, Drew. <laughs> I guess <laughs> not. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I yeah. love that. Like you said, the cl- obviously, it's not that you're earning it. Right. But it right. activates something. It activates. And, and you that's have right. a Like response. you said, it's a power. It's yeah. a power in you now. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, this whole topic is really about about sanctification, and uh, there's there, there's classes we teach here at Western Seminary on models of sanctification. We work through that in, in the theology class, and, and it is remarkable how different the views are within Christianity about how you grow in self-control. Uh, right. You know, just to, to put the, the two polar opposites, one would be that more Keswick, let go and let God, it's all grace. I, I have to get off the throne of my life, right. which is a campus crusade or cruise sort of thing and let jesus take over and then uh, maybe on a more opposite side would be a more reformed model which is all about mortifying the flesh right Right. and 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 doing this and yet the scriptures speak really kind of to both of those there's a tension yes and i think they both contain some truth right Mm -hmm. yeah you do need to get off the throne of your life and submit to (laughs) to to god and and put yourself aside and die to yourself and you also have to get a little muscular about this and go, you know, I'm going to mortify the flesh. Mm. Not that you're going to get weird, right? Uh, start whipping yourself or something. Yeah. Uh, but you, you, there. I mean, that's right in Scripture, uh, to mortify the flesh, uh, to deny yourself. 
Um, and then there's all these yeah. these carrots put out for us as well. The, the, these rewards, mm-hmm. right? I, I I mean, even there's a reward that speaks of of, of earnestly anticipating and waiting for the return of Christ. Because mm-hmm. in this world, yep. I, I think the Lord knows that's not going to be easy. It, it's, it's easy to yes. just kind of shift into the next thing and forget, boy, the most fervent desire of my heart should be that Jesus Christ return quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You see that in Paul when he's talking about running the race, right? It's for the prize. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not just like, okay, I want to look good or something. Um, there, there's an ultimate goal and a reward that is motivating this. And that's huge. Another thing that I, I talk about in the book is uh, sanctified goals that researchers talk about, and it's secular researchers, but they observe that when people attach spiritual significance to their goals, and yeah. sometimes you can do that artificially, um, but if there are good goals, you should probably imbue them with some spiritual significance. Mm. You want to have a better marriage. Mm. Even if you want to be physically healthier, you, you should not just think of it in terms of, I want to look better in the mirror, but hey, God has given me this body I want to have more energy to pursue God's call in my life, what have you. And then the cool thing is you actually are more effective in reaching those goals if they are, as mm-hmm. they say, sanctified goals. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people are stepping into the new year and they're they're trying to um, have some more self-control in certain areas. Uh, you have a whole chapter on the age of distraction. And I know we talked about like the bedside phone thing. Do you have any other things that you read that you've either implemented or you've heard people implement in terms of self-control, especially in that age of distraction, digital era that you feel like we're just, man, that, that maybe that's something that we need to consider more in terms of how we either act with our, our phones. I mean, the phone is the big thing, TVs, whatever it is. Uh, any other thoughts in terms of just kind of practical helps for people? Yeah, sure. I, and this is such a struggle for me, honestly. I mean, I remember one time going to, and it was just like one time, I go, I went to a restaurant and I'm waiting in line and discovered I didn't have my phone. Mm-hmm. I start to kind of itch and I'm yeah. like, oh man, this yeah. is awful. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because they're just always with us. And yeah, anyway. Um, and so one thing that, that I read about uh, is what researchers call a bright lines strategy. And this just refers to hard and fast rules that you implement in your life. I know this is going to sound a little legalistic. I think it's just wise though, mm-hmm. um, that are sort of... Um, that you just can't do certain behaviors at certain times. So, for instance, uh, an example of that might be uh, no phone past 8 p.m. Yep. Okay? Yeah. And the beauty of this, again, it preserves willpower because if it's 8.30 and you're wanting to look at your phone, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, no, it's it's past that time. Yep. I don't do it. Andy so. Crouch calls it parenting your phone. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> because if you don't parent your phone, your phone will parent you. Exactly. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You're truth. putting it to bed. Yeah. Good night, phone. Good night, phone. <laughs> Read good night, moon. To so, it. Sorry, Todd, you <laughs> can't text me past 8 p.m. No. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. So anyway, that's I'm the one texting at 10 p.m. <laughs> yes. My yeah. mom texts me at like 5 a.m., which right. is awesome because right. we have Sorry. a baby that wakes up. Anyway. <laughs> I totally interrupted you. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was basically it. It's just to kind of, and another one my family has done very imperfectly, I'll admit, is uh, having a no screen Sunday. Yeah. And it's just what it sounds like, right? Yep. Where the kids aren't watching cartoons, dad's not gotcha. a phone zombie. Yeah. And and when we've broken it, it's <clears throat> usually my fault. Um, but it does help, man, just to car, I think with the inundation of tech, yeah, and the ubiquity of it, uh, and how how immersive and engaging it is. If you don't make some intentional efforts to curb its influence in your life, 
it will just run roughshod over your mm. life, right? So yeah. you need to, to kind of carve out those spaces where its tentacles aren't reaching in and controlling you. Yeah, for sure. uh, it sounds kind of spooky, but I think it's true. Yeah. Um, Every so family so dynamic or individual dynamic is going to look different, uh, obviously. So it's right. hard to give like, this is what you should do, hard and fast rules. But there's some wisdom in terms of recognizing how some of these things are are taking over your life. I've, I've noticed that in my own life and just said, okay, I need to make some, my wife and I talked about like buying a box actually that we put our phones in just to say, to have some physical limit. Oh, Does that make sense? That. Yeah. Because it's so, steal that. it's so easy. <laughs> we haven't done it yet, but, <laughs> but it, it. it's yeah. so easy because if you just even say I'm putting it up, usually up is a place where you can grab it absolutely easily. yeah but just to have that like oh so i'm just gonna closed. put it in my phone right or in my right. pocket i mean yeah exactly it's it's there uh and so just having some sort of we're gonna live by in in this strategy we've i mean we've noticed with our kids just uh we think we have young kids so nine to two four four oldest one is nine youngest one is two and i always reflect on the time is just so short oh, yeah. in those ages and if i'm interacting with someone who's wrong on the internet rather with them like am i going to regret that i think i certainly will regret right. that in I, terms I, of i can speak from a little experience on that one yeah. yes <laughs> yes you will yes, <laughs> yeah. yes you will exactly yes you yeah. will because they do they yeah time goes so we by. need a, a lock box isn't that an old uh like political it's like al gore yeah al gore yeah <laughs> circa like 2002 a lock box a lock box there's like great snl skits that's what i'm thinking right? i think i only know it from snl yeah well it's where you get most your political news <laughs> exactly, right exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> that's great no it's um it, but the struggle as they say is real when it comes to tech because it's yeah it's just so prevalent and i think some people i've read some things frankly that are like super unrealistic it's like okay you know do email once a month like, dude, if I do that, I'm fired. Okay. Right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. There are certain things, or like you said, it has to fit has to your fit. particular situation, yep. your family, your job. Right. Um, and so you got to be realistic about it because sure. the biggest way to fail into these things, by the way, and, and it, I want to say this too, if people are, th- are implementing New Year's resolutions, yeah. the biggest mistake that I've made that other people make is to go way too big. Yeah. Go, that's exactly. it. You know, exactly. I'm going to run 10 miles every day. I'm yep. going to eat kale. That's it. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you only are setting kale. Your, <laughs> the only kale diet sweeping the nation. <laughs> um, yeah, because then what happens, going back to willpower, you deplete your willpower immediately because the goal is right. just way too big. Yep. You need to be incremental yep. and realistic yep. about your life. Totally. At the end of every Greek, for Greek one class here at Western, I tell students, just read five minutes a day in Greek. Oh, you know what I mean? Good. Like yes. I was like, don't try to be like, Oh, I'm going to do an hour each day. You won't, you won't. Yeah. So I say, just try five minutes a day and maybe not every day. Just do it three times a week. Like just start small, right. keep, keep this language in you. So I think that's huge. Just give realistic goals to yourself. Everyone's busy. We understand that. Yeah. Nice. Well, Drew, thanks so much for being here. This is, this is a good book. Your future self will thank you. Secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science a guide for sinners, quitters, and procrastinators. I had to read it correctly this time. Uh, so. <laughs> and you got the whole thing yeah. in there. We can yeah. re-record that. The longest you know. title ever. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it is. It, it is a very good book. It Thank is very you. readable and very, very helpful as well. So so thanks thanks for being with us and thanks Appreciate for writing that. this yeah. book. Great this to have you fun. Thanks in so the much, area. Guys. Yes. Yeah, thanks for coming on. 
Hey, this is Todd. We have received a lot of good feedback on this podcast. We have also received some questions. Uh, you have been emailing them to us, and we want to encourage you to consider that. That's right. So we plan on doing an episode where we just answer questions. So we'd love to have you send those things in to podcast at westernseminary.edu, podcast, singular, at westernseminary.edu. And Todd, how can they send those questions? Well, you can either type them out in the email, but what would be even better is if you created an audio file uh, asking the question and send that to us right we need to keep that 20 seconds and we'll play it and so send in we'd love to hear the audio clip of your voice we'd play it and then we'd answer the question as best we can thanks thanks for listening to food trucks in babylon the music you hear is provided by our friends at humble beast records if you like the show please leave us a review and feel free to subscribe to learn more about western seminary visit us at westernseminary.edu Thank you.